of your word, Almighty Father, be a lamp unto our feet and a flashlight before our paths. I surely, O Lord, living out your word, we shall behold your glory. In Christ Jesus our Lord we pray. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for the brightness of His glory and His mercies every new day. His mercies are new every day. Amen. And today we shall be looking at a very important subject. A subject which if we take it to, we shall have no reason to regret. And the topic we shall be discussing is take heed of your doctrine till I come. Hallelujah. Take heed of your doctrine till I come. Last Sunday, the sermon reintroduced the theme for the year. And it began to remind us that our focus is to prepare for his coming. And it built very solidly on a word of prophecy that we heard. That reminded us that in a season like this, there will be plenty of noise. A lot of noise. But we are being encouraged that despite the noise we are hearing, we shall hear that we must not be distracted. Hallelujah. You know, the sole purpose of a devil in this world is to create a world in which it will be nearly impossible to live in righteousness. That's his sole goal. He wants to create a system that makes it impossible for you to love God and to work for God. Praise the Lord. And there is only one recipe that saves out of this council that descends from hell itself. And that recipe is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And the message of today says, take heed of your doctrine until I, when he comes, and finds us carefully keeping the doctrine that is delivered to us, we shall be saved. And our joy will know no bounds. Praise the Lord. 
Let's quickly look at the picture that the Bible paints of the end times. Matthew chapter 24. And I'll read from verse 12. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because the system will be so polluted, people will begin to wonder whether it is profitable to serve the Lord. I mean, if you even look around you now, you begin to feel it. But this is only the beginning of sorrows. The system of this world is becoming progressively desolate. And we all seem to be helpless. And so if you are righteous, and you are a government, for instance, or you are a policeman, and you are righteous, your friends may shoot you. If you go to the office, and you write the time you arrived, you will become enemy number one. True or false? That is the system that the devil is nurturing. And why has this pollution? And why will it continue? Because it's going to continue. The Bible makes it clear that it will continue. Praise the Lord. I am not saying it. It is what is written in the word. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60 begins to speak of the hope of the believer in a dying world. But I'm not looking at the hope now because the hope is yet to come. I'm looking at the events that will predate the appearance of that hope. And Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Gross darkness, the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Praise the Lord. We are moving into a season in the spirit called the nights. But after the night comes the day. Praise the Lord. But who will be saved? The one that understands the season. And the one that holds forth his doctrine. I don't know whether you've ever booked to travel with a bus. And you are told that you need to arrive by 5.30. How do you sleep that night? Or you had you are going to have surgery tomorrow. And you are told the surgery will be in the morning. How soundly do you sleep? Praise the Lord. There is darkness and there is light. The difference is 
the doctrine that you hold. The doctrine that you hold will separate you from the world. The doctrine that you hold will give you hope. Why must this darkness be of necessity? Why did the Lord do it? A lot of us believe that God is good. Is God good? Why does he allow evil? Praise the Lord. I want us to briefly look at it before I go into what we must begin to do. Why does God allow his beautiful children to go through darkness? Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. I want to tell us that the things that we call pain and difficulties and darkness and the troubles that are coming upon the world were designed and permitted by God. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 21, the Bible says, after Noah had made a sacrifice to him, there was this testimony concerning human beings that was given. And that testimony led God to make a final decision on his creation. And he said, And the Lord smelled a sweet savour. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. God looked at us in our fallen states and made a conclusion that this fallen state cannot continue. And so, because he had made a provision to change this our fallen state, he said to himself, I will no longer intervene by wiping away wicked people. I won't do that anymore. I am going to allow the earth run its course. I will have limited interference. Part of that interference is what you heard today. God says that he will bless you. Hallelujah. That is the limited interference. But as for the earth, it's going to run its course. Quickly look at Matthew chapter 13 and you will understand that this is true. Matthew chapter 13 verse 30. We are going to do Bible study today. Praise the Lord. Because we are talking about doctrine. Matthew 13 verse 30. It says, Let's both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together, the, gather ye together first the tars, and bind them in bundles to bond them. But gather the wheat 
into my barn. This is the parable of Tars. Praise the Lord. The earth is like a vineyard that the Lord has sown. And in this vineyard, the devil has also sown wickedness in the heart of man. And God says, I won't destroy the earth because of these stars anymore. Let them grow together. I don't know how many of you have ever found. If you plant a garden of corn and you do not go to regularly weed it, what happens? It is overgrown with grass. Which one grows faster, the corn or the grass? That is what is happening on earth. The grass is growing faster than the corn. And we are moving to an end. And the nearer we get to that end, the more the pressure will be on the corn. And the only way the corn will survive is by having deep roots. Otherwise, the corn will become fruitless. Some of us, and many of us, do not give attention to a Christian doctrine. We are very busy doing everything. We don't have goals. You know, for more than 10 years, I have tried to read through the Bible once in a year. Initially, I started reading through once in two years. And I, I learned to read once in a year. And I was congratulating myself. Hallelujah. In 2014, I went to a leadership training in Hawaii. And in one of those leadership sessions, the teacher, who was the son of a Hindu priest that had given his life to Christ, told us that he reads through the Bible 25 times in a year. Hallelujah. And when he said it, I looked at myself that had been fanning myself for going through once in a year. And I told myself, And if you see this man, he was like a lawyer, a Supreme Court lawyer, dishing out the word in season. Many of us don't have spiritual goals. Some of us are content with two verses in daily bread. That is the appetizer. We don't have any time we map out and say this is the time for study. And look, I will not rest unless I read four chapters of the Bible in a day. I don't ever go through any day without doing that. Except on Sundays. Praise the Lord. On Sunday I give myself a break. Hallelujah. And you know, when I became a priest, I didn't know how to read Hebrew. I attended government college where it was a crime to speak vernacular. Not to talk of reading Hebrew. 
And so when I became a priest, I knew I was going to have to minister in Igbo. And so I started learning Igbo. Actually, my late wife was my tutor. Praise the Lord. And so now, I will read a chapter of New Testament in Igbo. I read three chapters of Old Testament in English. Because I read more faster in English than Igbo. You must have goals. You must, you must tell yourself, there is something I should do. And do it. It's not always very pleasant. At times I have to battle with sleep. After a very busy day. I'll sleep and wake up, even if it means waking at 2 o'clock. To finish my assignment for the day. Praise the Lord. But, why is it that people around you do not understand? I will show you. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Praise the Lord. The foolish hearts of the people who have not encountered the gospel of Jesus Christ is dark. And many of us want to be like them. That's why at times I don't like talking about how people dress. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like that. But that's why some people preach, don't wear this and don't wear that. Because we are busy copying a people whose hearts are what? Dark. I even saw young people begin to do a piece on it. Praise the Lord. But at times Christians go to the other extreme. Don't mind me. But let us know that if you want to serve God, you cannot be a photocopy of somebody whose heart is what? You can't be his photocopy. You must identify your own cause. You must be you. Praise the Lord. And because their hearts are dark, something has happened in the spirit already. Because of the darkness of men's hearts, God has released a decree already. Let me just read that decree for you. Isaiah chapter 24. Isaiah chapter 24 verse 5. And Isaiah prophesied more than 500 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He actually prophesied before the captivity of Judah. Isaiah chapter 24 verse 5 says, The earth also is defiled. 
So when God looks at the earth, what does he see? Defilements. That's why Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth. Hallelujah. When God looks at this earth, what he sees is defilement. I don't know what you, whether you understand what defilement means. There was a time when I came back from that training. I met something in front of my house that was terrible. Almost every night, somebody will go and defecate on the road. And you know, even though you could move away from it, but it was really an eyesore. Would you understand why somebody would leave his house and come and defecate on the road? And what we were doing was we would light the thing and burn it. And the next night, the mouth or whoever it is would do it again. It became so horrible that I refused to pass through that part of the road anymore. I had to go through the other parts. Praise the Lord. Because this migrates. The defecation was constant on the, on the right side. So I would take the left hand. So for me, the road was what? Defiled. Somebody had decided to defile it. But thank God, after a long time, whatever happened, that thing stopped. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants, therefore. Because they have transgressed the law, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant, therefore had the cost devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burnt, and few men are left. Praise the Lord. This vision is a vision of our age. Progressively, the earth has become more and more defiled. Right now, a lot of us want God to understand. Is it not so? If you tell somebody, this thing you are doing will lead you to hell, you will say, not my portion. Have you not been true? Praise the Lord. I usually tell people, imagine if God were to be changing to each of our desires. Huh? If you commit adultery, God will understand. Okay? If you kill somebody, God will understand. Okay? If you steal, God will understand. If you tell lies, God will understand. And God will be understanding all of us. Huh? Praise the Lord. If you will look at the character of that God, what will it look like? It will be very crooked. Because he understands everything and has no standard. But I don't know why the devil has filled our minds 
without stuff. And if you go back to Bible times, you will find in the book of Judges, verse chapter 21, verse 25, that the Bible says that in those days, in those days, that there was no king in Egypt, in Israel, and every man did as he thought right. Do you know what it led to? Confusion, idolatry, and destruction. There is no way God will understand human beings who he said concerning that their imaginations from their youths is continually what? Evil. It is because of that that God has put a standard. A standard which if you and me will stick to, we shall be saved. Praise the Lord. Okay, there are many doctors here. You will give a prescription based on solid diagnosis supported by laboratory evidence that the patient has malaria and you give the patient a number of drugs to take and the patient looks at the drug because B complex is tiny and Panadol is big. He chooses B complex. He looks at a personate and says, This one looks very ugly. He puts it aside and then he begins to swallow his B complex. What will happen to him? I do not understand us human beings. Our Creator has given us. The way of life. He has made a diagnosis. He has written out a prescription. He has handed it over to us. Soaked in blood. The blood of martyrs. And when we turn around, we put it aside. Take heed of your doctrine. The end result of the earth is clearly known. Revelation chapter 17, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman. Sit upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and draped with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a cup in his hands, full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, 
mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of harlots, and an abomination of the earth. Praise the Lord. I will stop there because I want to talk about this woman. This woman is simply put the state of the earth in the end time. It is called a woman not because our mothers and our sisters and our daughters are more sinful than the, the men. No. She's called a woman because it's only womanhood that has the power to self-propagate whatever species. It is only women that bring forth life. Isn't it true? Men plant the seed, but it is women that will bear the child. And so when symbols are used in scriptures, they deplete events on earth. And the revelation is a book of symbols. And so she is called woman because the sinfulness that she stands for will be progressively increasing. Praise the Lord. Even though she is sinful, the power of sin is not just in her. She is said to sit upon a scarlet colored beast. And if you have been a student of the book of Revelation, you will see that this same beast that is described here is no other person but the devil. Praise the Lord. And so this woman, which is the earth, the social systems of the earth in the end time, will be energized, propelled, and directed by the devil. She will be given authority so iniquity will acquire political power. Evil will acquire political authority. That is why she is dressed in purple. There was a time in my department in the teaching hospital. You could not become a consultant. Unless you bowed to certain authorities. Hallelujah. We thank God that that age is gone. Amen. The children of God are now in charge. But it's for a season. Even we have to come back. There was a time when I was growing up in the university. Because my parents served in the University of Nigeria where I also serve now. And our next door neighbor was due for promotion to become a professor. And she was called by certain people. And she was told, if you do not join us, you will never be promoted. Thank God she resisted. And for many years she wasn't promoted. 
But before she left that university, she became a professor. Praise the Lord. The system will be dressed in purple. Don't think that the devil was joking when he told Jesus and said, The kingdoms of this world have been delivered unto me. Just bow and I will hand them over to you. Brethren, it is happening today. Do you know that some people converted to Islam in the Nigerian army in order to be promoted? Do you know that even in the police force, if you stand firm as a Christian, rigid the way you are, they will break you. And so, the world system, that is where the world system is going to. She will be arrayed with precious things. Once you compromise, you begin to enjoy. That is the world system. Finally, this woman holds out a cup made of gold. Brethren, every sinful thing that defiles comes as gold. Every sinful thing that defiles and kills comes as gold. Look, if they put poison in a cup and give it to you and say, look, this thing is poison, or that cup looks poisonous, will you drink it? And so the devil is wise. He presents sin with the arguments of God. And so, the sinful desire must be attractive. And that is what this woman holds out. A cup of gold. But the Bible says that you better look well. That inside that cup is everything abominable. Many Christians have fallen into snares that are eternally destructive because they did not look into the cup. Do not allow yourself to be blindfolded by the things of this world to the point that the devil leads you into a snare. There was a young man who walked with me many years ago. He's retired from the teaching hospital now, or the university. And as my habit was, those who work very closely to me, with me, I will always make out a time to share the gospel with you because I don't know what will happen next. And so even though he was a fairly junior staff, I called him into my office. I was then the acting head of department in my department and sat him down. And I shared the gospel with him. But he told me something very remarkable. Praise the Lord. He told me that his younger brother was a pastor. And that most of those things I shared with him, that he knew they were true. Then I asked him, then why not commit your life to Christ? 
He said, Makelele dini menjo. Hallelujah. Okay, let me use the word my mind. Many of you have not eaten a lele before. Praise the Lord. But my mind, you have always called uh, 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 <laughs> Praise the Lord. I love the young man in What else would I do to him? <laughs> Since he preferred the lele to salvation. We laugh at him right now, but many of you are in captivity. Many years ago also, I was running a clinic in College Road, and there was this girl who came to me. She had fibroid. And as was my practice, in order not to have many mortalities, I wanted to know her Christian stand. I found that both of us at a time we are in Christ Redemption Church together. That's the church most of us came from. Praise the Lord, including our chaplain. It's the church that brought forth Christian ministers and began to change this diocese. I then asked her I don't know how the discussion went. I asked her where she was staying. She said she was at Abuja. I asked her who would be paying the fees. She said that there was this certain man who took care of her while she was in school and was taking care of her also at Abuja. I said, what was the relationship between you and him? She was this man's mistress. She graduated from Esut. The man put him in a flat in Abuja. Sustains her in that flat. And kept her away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I asked her, how could that be after you were in Christ Redemption Church? She said she had nobody to help her. I said, don't you have any brothers? She said she had a brother in Lagos. But that he was struggling. I asked her, but how do you feel about it now? She said, well, now that's part of her life. That even one of the full gospel directors has was keeping her friend also in Abuja. I said, no, that can't be now. I'm in full gospel. Praise the Lord. She said, no, that the man is a director in full gospel and that she keeps to. I said, okay, how did he explain to you people what you are doing? She said there was a way the man explained it. I said, you are destroying your life. Your days will soon pass and you will be thrown away like a rack. Praise the Lord. I told her that do you know that as long as you are in this state that no man will approach you for marriage. Do you know that while we were discussing these things the man turned from Abuja married man with family. 
I told her that she must leave that relationship and give her life to Christ. And she ran away from my clinic and I never saw her again. Praise the Lord. I had no regrets. When eternity, the whole call is called in eternity, she will not say she did not uh, hear. Some of you here are in that state. You are keeping relationships that you will not want the light of day to see. Today, flee. Praise the Lord. And so the woman has a cup in her hands. And the content of it is nothing else but what? Abomination. Praise the Lord. But God has a cup in his hands. And that cup has a content. Let us quickly look. We have dwelt too long on what the devil is doing. Now let's look at what God wants us to do. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 verse 6. It will be well with you, my people. But be ye steadfast. You that faint, arise, do not faint. I come quickly. John chapter 15, verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into fire and they are burnt. I want to ask us briefly. Do we think that a time will come when God will change the standard because of us? Do we think so? Is it possible? If God changes this standard because of us, can he still be called God? It is we men, you know, the way we see God, we see God the way we see ourselves. It's we men that change. Do you know that God is not a human being? Huh? I hope we know that. If a cockroach wants to enter into your pot of soup, what will you do? You do what? But if it is your child trying to put the hand in the pot of soup, will you kill your child? God is not a human being, no. He doesn't feel the way we feel. If you become the cockroach, try to spoil his creation. There will be no mercy on let us have it very clear in our minds. There is no ambiguity about it. It's not going to change the standard for you. I tell myself every day, God will never change standard for me. The only thing that I do is when I'm weak, I tell him, God, give me the strength so that I can overcome. Praise the Lord. If you, that he has bought with a price and planted in him the true vine, Decide that the only thing you will bring to the true vine, eh? Baruch, 
and you bring all the insects that will destroy the vine. What do you think the farmer will do? They will cut you off. At least I'm a surgeon. I don't have mercy on two months. Praise the Lord. And that's the job I do in gynecology. Removing two months. I am ready to remove a womb. The whole womb. If I see two months. In a five year old girl. Because of what use is that womb to her? If the tumor will kill her. Praise the Lord. You know, I once made this mistake and every day I ask God, please forgive me. There was this girl many years ago that went and terminated her pregnancy. And of course, the girls you find most difficult to convince to keep their pregnancies are born again Christians. There was one from SCU at the Enugu campus. There is nothing I spoke to her. She was vehement that the baby must go. I said, why? Because of shame. The devil is wicked. And so this girl terminated her pregnancy. And we were treating her. I was then the gynecologist in charge of Enugu clinics. We were treating her there. And when I opened up, half of her womb was gangrenous. It means infected and dead. She was about 18 years old of age. I told the anesthetist, I am taking away this womb. The young man told me, he's a very experienced man, I listened to him. The father and a very experienced anesthetist, a good Catholic and a very pious man. He told me what will be the end of this girl if you take away this womb. Let's do a wedge resection and know whether we can use antibiotics to save the rest of the womb. The argument looked very reasonable to me. A mistake I made. I listened. Praise the Lord. We did a wedge resection. Removed all the unhealthy part of the womb and reconstructed it. It looked perfect in our eyes. And we moved her back to the ward. But she did not leave that hospital alive. She died. And she would have lived if I had taken away the womb. Of course she will not be able to bear children. But she will be able to be a sucker to her home. And so God will not keep you in the vine if you decide to be a source of defilement. He will cut you off. Praise the Lord. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Praise the Lord. You know, that is why light shall arise in the midst of darkness for the saints. Remember the portion in Isaiah 60. A light will arise. 
And when men say there is a casting down, you will see a lifting up. Hallelujah. It does happen because if you abide, and what does abiding mean? Just stay in. If God says yes, say yes. If he says no, say no. If you commit sin, repent. And he will receive you back. Is there any child? Is there any mother here? Who, if the child pours away her pot of soup, will kill the child because of it? If you, you that are human, will not do it to your child, how will God do it with you? And so you must abide. If you are in sin, repent. If you have not given your life to Christ, give your life to Christ now. And your name will be taken away from the book of death. And put in the book of life. But you must remain. You must stay, be steadfast. And if you are steadfast, brethren, you will be saved. In the theological school, one of my lecturers, a senior lecturer who was dismissed or retired from the University of Nigeria, I was sent, because he's a priest, he came to the theological school. One day we were arguing vehemently with him. He's a man full of controversy. And he asked us, what is the geographical location of heaven? That man is not living with his wife. He's a priest, though. He brings in a strange woman every night. And look, that thing was repulsive to a lot of us. And so even though he was wearing the cassock, he was an instrument in the hands of a devil. Praise the Lord. Geographical location of heaven. The man has never read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. And verse 14 that says, that the Holy Spirit is God's deposit in us, guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of our redemption. What are you looking for geographical location? Where a deposit has been given to you? A guarantee. If I'm owing you one million and I give you a prosthetic check of one million, you can go to bed. If it is 30th of July, by 30th of July you should go to bank. Praise the Lord. If you go to bank and they say I don't have one million there, do you know what will happen to me? The FCC will take me away. Praise the Lord. It is a crime. God has given us a posted check of eternal salvation. And the evidence is the Holy Spirit. As written in the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Read that scripture yourself. And so whenever you speak in tongues. What you are telling God. Is that I remember. That. I have a guarantee. That I will go to heaven. I remember it. Praise the Lord. The only condition. Abide. Don't live. You cannot abide unless you know what you are abiding in. 
And that is where the systematic study of the word of God comes in. That is where giving your life to Christ comes in. The portal for abiding is to be engrafted. Because by nature, we are trees that are wild. And when we are engrafted into Christ, we cannot abide in him. And so you must give your life to Christ. The year I gave my life to Christ in 1980, I was sitting with a friend of mine who should be a doctor now. And I, we were watching Born in Hell. And the thing that killed the young man in Born in Hell was reckless driving. That's the term. At the beginning of that time, they hadn't started sessions then in the university. At the beginning of that time, I had come back to school with my father's car to bring down my things. Then I'll go back, because it wasn't too well. I'll go back, drop the car, take a bus and come back. Transport system was not perfect then. Praise the Lord. And so, as I was driving back through the old road, there is this place where there are a number of hills, two or three hills. And I was overtaking a vehicle, a trailer. But I had tried to overtake that car and the thing just didn't allow me. So once we started descending the hill, I put in to overtake. And as I was driving that car, it was as if I was running to the end of the speedometer. Because the kind of speed the trailer was not driving was terrible. I managed to overtake the car. And something in me told me you would have died. And so when I was watching Burning Hell, and this young man who had been preached to several times, he was a, a driver in a car racing uh, uh, industry. He finally crashed and died. And he was shown in hell. As I was watching it, the events at the beginning of the time was coming back to me. And immediately the preacher said, before he even said, do you want to give your life to Christ? I I had given my life to Christ. Praise the Lord. And I told my friend, come, let's give our lives to Christ. The man looked at me with great scorn. And told me, if you want to give your life, go and give your life. Praise the Lord. And that's how our friendship ended. Praise the Lord. And the journey of my salvation began. The first step must be done. You must give your life to Christ. If you are going to abide. Years have passed. And God has been faithful. Praise the Lord. Abide in me. And my words. If you abide in me. And my words abide in you. You must take in the word. To be able to sustain the race. You cannot afford. The first thing I do to mothers. Even if they have cesarean section. Once I bring out their baby. 
they will put that baby to breast. Praise the Lord. The only mothers I exempt are those who have hypertension. And so you cannot afford to live your life the way you want to live it. You must abide in the word of God. Finally, Luke chapter 21 and we shall quickly read verse 36. God set an exam. The Almighty set an exam. And after setting the exam, he gave us the answer. Praise the Lord. He has set an exam to test man. Judgment day. And he gave us the answer ahead of time. Now let's see what the Bible records in Luke 21 verse 36. Watch therefore. Pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. What is the way? Watch therefore and pray always. Watch therefore. Be careful. Study the time. Understand the time. Know the word. Understand what is required of you. Be watchful. Pray. So that strength will be given to you to abide. And to keep your doctrine. And if you will do this. He says. You will be accounted worthy. To escape all the things that we are preaching. About darkness. See. The best light in life is shone into darkness. Is it not true? Is it not true? If you buy a very nice torch now and you shine it now, will it be of value? But if it is twelve midnight and there is no light and that your little torch shines, will you see the way? So the darker the world, the more glorious the light of eh? God. That's why we are not afraid of the darkness. We are not afraid of it. The only thing it will do to us is to kill us. If he kills us, we will go into glory. Praise the Lord. It's not that we are praying for death. We want to have many more crowns before we die. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 13. And I will end here. Mark chapter 13, verse 34. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Did Jesus go on a far journey? That's why he hasn't come back for 2,000 years old. When he was saying this thing, they did not understand. That the journey is going to be far. And it's taking him more than 2,000 years to come back. So he went on a far journey. 
When he was given this parable, people thought it was just parable. It's reality. And the way he went is the way he's going to come back. Look, if anybody tells you he's not coming back, that person is sick. Bring the person to neuropsychiatric hospital. And we shall take care of him. Hallelujah. He went on a far journey. And he left in his house. He left in his house. You and me. When he left for that far journey, he left you. He knew you were going to come in. And he gave authority to his servants. And so we are people of authority. Many of us are like men. There was a time in New Heaven. I think just before the advent of uh, for passengers administration, there was this terrible robbery that occurred one one night. The people were just shooting. All of us were hiding under our beds. Praise the Lord! And they went to my friend's house. And this is my friend. They were looking for two million naira. That two million naira was very big money. It was Jesco's uh, uh, manager that withdrew two million to go and pay for fuel. And the man withdrew it late. So those robbers knew that that man came, took, had the two million. So they went to the place he lived. And they shot terrible guns. And as they were shooting, my friend who was a double barrel, what I hear is God. The next day I asked him, ah, why didn't you show these people that you had something there? I said, what? Didn't you hear the kind of gods they were shooting? <laughs> Hallelujah. They eventually left him and went to assemblies of God in New Heaven and asked specifically for that young man because he, they broke into the man's flat. They went to assemblies of God to look for him. Luckily, they didn't find him, but they dealt with the pastor there. Hallelujah. Some of you are like that, my friend. You are gone in your house, but you are not using your authority as a believer. How long will you keep your authority unused? Of what benefit is that gone in your hand if it is never shot? And to everyone, a man, his work. Do you have a work in this church? Do you have any work? Are you going to leave this place and tell God, I had nothing to do? You can pray. Or I am is broken. You can pray for the speaker every Sunday. You can pray for hearts that are hardened. Do you know why people don't give their lives to Christ? Not because they don't want to. Because they are ashamed. They need grace to come upon them. And when that grace comes upon them, they enter into something that they never anticipated. You can pray for ears to be, the wax in ears to be removed. You can give. There are people who have needs in this place. You don't have to shout when you are giving. If you give to the poor, you are lending to God. It will come back to you. You can give. 
He can sweep this place. It is the work of Levites to clean the sanctuary. There was a woman at Christ's redemption. As long as I was in that church, she decorated the altar tables with fresh flour every day. Is it, is it not true? Praise the Lord. Fresh flowers every Sunday. That was her work. The Bible says that God has given a job to you. If you are not doing that job, you are not abiding. Praise the Lord. And he has commanded the porters to keep watch. All you prayer committee people, God has commanded you to keep watch. If you allow the devil to come in here, he will hold you. If you like, develop prayer topics that have no relevance to the church. And pray it for hours. But you potters, you better keep watch. Because it is your duty. Verse 35. Watch ye therefore. For you know not when the master of the house cometh. At evening. So he may come in the evening. You know, you know we are in the evening of the world now. When you start seeing darkness. Yesterday I went to drop my daughter in school. She insisted on going back to school around 6.30. I don't like driving in the night. I said, what will I do now? Will I force her to go and use bus to go back? So I drove in the evening. It's the most dangerous time to drive. Because people will not put on their lights. And you may not see very well. So we're in the evening of the world. Praise the Lord. He may also come at midnight. He may come at cock crowing. Early in the morning. Or he may even come in the morning. And so you see that God is timing this life just the way we time day and night. Verse 36. Least coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. Are you sleeping in the church? Every Sunday he be okay. Ah, thank God you are coming. At least you are coming to here. But you must also do work. Praise the Lord. Are you sleeping? Every Sunday they say, come, let's go to the world. You won't come. You mustn't preach when you go there. But your presence is important. The man who has been appointed to preach will be charged. Suppose he went there alone and the nurses were looking at him with angry eyes. Are you sure he will preach well? So we say, okay, come. You, when you go there, it's apprenticeship. Now you learn. You learn. As you listen. Praise the Lord. This is my final charge. Don't sleep in the church. Praise the Lord. And what I say unto you, verse 37, I say unto all, watch. What I say unto you, I tell myself, 
Watch. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Abide in me. And my words. Let them abide in you. You will ask what you will. And the Lord that is able to set a table in the wilderness. Will set one before you. Watch and pray. That you may be able to overcome. Ask the Lord to give you the strength. For by strength shall no man prevail. Ask the Lord to give you spiritual goals. Goals to study the word. Goals to serve in the church effectively. A place of ministry. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Except you have been engrafted into Christ, you cannot abide in Him. If you don't have a letter admitting you into a suit college of medicine, you cannot be a medical student. And so I want to say this prayer. And you say it with me. If you want Christ to come into your life today. If you look around you and you think you are not abiding. You may have given your life to Christ but you have taken it back. Fallen into sin. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I desire to be part of your family. Give me a new life that you have promised in Jesus Christ. Make me your child. I pray in Jesus' name. You want to have Christ in your life and you said that prayer with me. Raise your hand. You need not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. I want to lift you up before God. The rest of you continue to pray for them. They are beginning a journey that is great and mighty. And great things will happen in their lives. Because he is faithful to whom we are going to commit them to. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Because you are true. You are faithful. You are steadfast. You are the same yesterday, today and forever. And your words abide forever. Thank you for this, my brothers. Today, O oh Heavenly Father, they want to live under your ordinance. They are surrendering their life to you. Forgive them of their sins, O oh Lord. Forgive them of their sins, O oh Father. Take away their names from the book of deaths. Write their names in the book of life. Seal them, good Lord, with your Holy Spirit.
Let him go forth in the strength of your power. In the mighty name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I leave this church before you. As I go out of his threshold. The heavenly king of glory. That which you have begun to do, you will perfect. And Lord, none shall be lost. We shall be united in you continually in spirits. We shall rejoice continually in your glorious presence. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray.